Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Awesome. Well, today is week three of our Fresh Dream series. Welcome to those watching, worshiping online. Um, this, this, this is something. So we're continually amazed at what God is doing uh, in this season of revival here in our church. Like Pastor Josh was saying, October 29th will be a fifth Sunday, so Espanol will be in with us. Harrison will be leading us. We always have a, a multilingual worship experience that day, and then a lot of baptisms and a bunch of testimonies, just giving God thanks of what he has been doing, because we believe he's not done yet. Amen? That uh, we're just still expecting so many great things. So look forward to that. Last couple weeks, this is week three last couple weeks, I talked about worship and uh, discipleship, why we do what we do, what it is that we're doing. And so today we're going to talk about serving. And uh, then coming up, we've also got evangelism and fellowship, food trucks and football. This is going to be Pastor Josh's first time with food trucks and football with us. He's really excited about it. Uh, really about everything, I think, and, uh, and dunking you. I don't know if that was like their first take or if they practiced to be that awkward. I hope it was their first take. But anyway, I'll find out later, and uh, that's great. I believe you came to experience the presence of the Lord, but it's a fun uh, additional thing to get to watch that announcement video and hear from Pastor Dan. All right, well, if you have a note sheet, you can grab that. In a moment, we'll read the Word together and... Uh, see what God has to say to us, but I want to read this dream statement to you. As a reminder, these are not just statements uh, about a dream that the pastor has or that our pastoral staff has as we've gotten together, worked, prayed, but it's our prayer that by the end of the series, we would all, as the part of celebration, would say, this is our dream together. We're not just dreaming on our own. We're dreaming together. Um, really, it's my prayer that some of you will say, this is your dream like today, even before we leave. You don't have to wait for the end of the series to decide this is for you. Uh, my prayer would be at least three people people would decide during the message and respond with like an out loud amen. That would help me out here today. But here, let's read this. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I dream of a church where all people, somebody say all people, people. can find a passion lane to use their gifts to serve God and others. So we're going to talk about that here today. First Peter chapter four. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet as we read God's word together? First Peter chapter four, verses eight to 11. We're talking about serving this third message in this series. First Peter chapter four, verse eight, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality, by the way, on your way in. Hopefully you got some mint lemonade. If you didn't, get it on the way out. And if you didn't and we're out, should have got it on your way in. But we offered hospitality. See how we put that into practice. Lemonade, hospitality, now you have it. All right, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. By the way, if you didn't get one and we're out, don't grumble then either. We'll give you your money back. You didn't pay for it anyway. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words 
of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, someone say all things, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. All right. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, for the opportunity to gather and lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help everybody become more like you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. In that dream statement, we use the word passion lane. And so uh, that might be new for a new concept for you, or maybe you've never heard that in church or how it relates to our church. Um, I won't, I'll just give you a little reminder, but I would encourage you to watch it later today, throughout the week, whatever it is. May 7th, May 7th, earlier this year, I preached a message from the book of Acts chapter 11. We were in that series, The Church, Growing and Going. And uh, May 7th, Acts chapter 11, talked about the five-fold ministry gifts, but not just on the platform, but for every person. We believe that each of those gifts are ways that God gives his people to be the church as we grow and as we go. In that, at the very end of the message, I talked about this whole idea of our structure here in the church, of this idea of passion lanes. And um, this is something, because there's something that happens when every person cooperates together as the body of Christ, not competing with or comparing to, but just cooperating together as one body in Christ to meet the needs of those around us. And there's something that happens, a multiplying effect when we do this together, that we could never do on our own. At the very end of the message, I talked about those passion lanes and here at our church at Celebration, stay in your lane is a phrase that's not a negative expression. It's a positive encouragement, a positive exhortation, right? To serve others and be involved in ministry that you're gifted in and deeply passionate about. What do I mean? Those passion lanes give us the freedom to enjoy our individual God-given assignment and to bless others while they're doing theirs. We're not worried about who's passing who on the freeway in the illustration. I know we're deeply encouraged, uh, you know, involved in that out there, but, but we're, when we're in the church, right, following Jesus, our passion lane, we're not worried about what other assignments God has given other people. We're thankful for it. We can honk and wave and, you know, it's fine. We'll see you when you get there, when we get there. We're not competing. We're not racing with them, right? We're just going to say, we're going to do what God has called us to do, what excites us when we wake up for his kingdom and for his glory. So that's what we're talking about here today with serving. If you have a note sheet, you can grab that. There's only three points, but that's because the introduction is a un pointed point. (laughs) So I'll get to the note sheet in a minute. You have some extra room up in that top right-hand corner. You might want to write that. You'll know you love deeply. And then each of the three points will finish that statement. But let me just explain from verse eight, verse number eight, our, our first verse, you'll know you love deeply. We're talking about serving, but really we're talking about loving deeply. Above all, verse eight, he says, love each other deeply. Now, most of you probably did not know or read the rest of 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning before you came to church. You may not have studied the cultural significance and the context to which Peter was writing. So let me help you understanding what is going on. He was writing to other believers that had been scattered throughout Asia Minor. That's Turkey if you go look on the map or Turkey 8 now today. But he was encouraging them 
to avoid the sins that they used to commit. Now, I know that that's not necessarily talked about a ton these days, but what was true back then is still true today. Truth hasn't changed. And so what you used to be before you met Jesus, before he saved you, as Pastor Josh talked about, right? Before you were dead to your sin, now you're alive in Christ. We don't want to go back to those things. And Peter listed some of the things that those believers were part of. Newsflash, they were doing just as much sinning as people today. Let me read to you the list. If you were looking in a printed Bible or a digital one, you could just scroll a verse ahead, uh, previous. But he said, quit living in debauchery, full of lust, being drunk, drunkenness, having orgies. Got real quiet there, didn't it? That's in the Bible. I think it was like verse six. Just, okay. And idolatry. What was he saying? He said, he reminded them that the end of all things is near. Now, if you're bad at math and can't tell time, it's been 2,000 years since he told those believers we're running out of time. Now, I don't know how much time we have left, but I'm confident we have 2,000 less years than those believers did. So if he was telling them time's running out, how much more should we be aware time's running short And therefore, we ought not return to those sinful ways that we once participated in. Now, maybe your sin, your struggle was not on that list, but I'm sure if he would have had a little bit more ink for the quill. Do they have pens back there? I don't think they typed it, but your sin, your struggle could have been added to that list as well. Whatever it is that you were doing that separated you from God, once you've been forgiven by Jesus, you ought not go back to those things. Right, especially as the time is running out. We don't have time to play around, friends. He says, above all, love each other deeply. And you might be wondering why. I'm glad you asked. Because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, as I was thinking and praying about this this week, I couldn't help but be reminded of John 3.16. The Bible says, for God so loved... I think it'd be fair to say, for God loved the world so deeply that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Ultimately, whose love covered the multitude of sins? God's love through the sacrifice of Jesus. The truth is you and I on our own cannot love someone enough to cover their sins. Have you ever thought about that? I could say you're forgiven all I want. But only Jesus' love can actually cover a multitude of sins. Therefore, it's not in our love that we are to love one another deeply, but rather Christ's love for us. This is the framework for the entire passage, for our message, for this dream statement that we would love each other deeply. I remind you, this love is not a convenient love. It's not a contractual love. It's a committed love. It's a conviction that you hold deep down in your soul. Because God loved me so much that he sacrificed his son. Therefore, I will in turn love one another. 
Love each other deeply. This message is titled Serving, but really it could be titled Love Each Other Deeply. And the way that we love each other deeply, he outlines for us, is through serving one another. On the very bottom of your notes, because it's still the introduction, I want you to be able to fill in a blank right on the very bottom. uh, There's a closing statement, which is weird because I'm giving to the beginning, but whatever. You can serve without loving, but you cannot love without serving. It's true. I know some of you are thinking, trying to think of like one example. And let me just say, I'm on purpose skipping those obvious exceptions, put your asterisk on the internet, right? Of someone who's physically unable to serve other people or has a physical limitation or something like, some of you are thinking, well, what if somebody's in solitary confinement in prison? How can they serve other people? You figured it out, Sherlock. What I'm saying is be a member of Normalville. And just recognize you can serve without loving, but you really can't love without serving. There's a big difference between volunteering and serving. Let me explain. They might look the same on the outside, but there's a different motive for followers of Jesus, right? Uh, Plenty of people volunteer in our society because they think it's a way of helping people less fortunate than they are. And that's not bad, by the way. I think we ought to help other people. But for followers of Jesus, we don't just volunteer. We serve because we know Jesus first loved us. That, there, that is the big difference between worldly altruism and volunteering to demonstrate one's own piety and virtue. I had to use the biggest words I could to make it sound fluffy. <laughs> Versus our biblical service, which just demonstrates our love for Christ in how we serve others. In other words, we don't have to do this. We're not forced in a community service. We get to do this because Jesus has done so much for us. So in Christ, there is no guilt trip into serving others. Sadly, in our society and in many churches, there is. But in Christ, there is no guilt trip into serving others. We serve others because he served us. He gave his life for us. In Christ, there's no shame if in a moment we can't serve other people. If it's like a real thing, right? Some people might not have the bandwidth or ability in that moment. (laughs) But other people are just lazy. Not in this service. I'm talking about other people. It's okay. Don't look at your spouse. I'm just saying. (laughs) Some people, they just choose not to help their neighbor whether it's the leaves that are fallen or the snow that we don't want, but we're going to get, you know, all those kind of things. We, we choose to help others because he has helped us. So even as we talked throughout this message about ways in which we show our deep love for one another through serving others, I would ask everyone, don't think about other people and point spiritual fingers at them but rather allow the Holy Spirit to reveal any ways in our lives that we can add to serve others around us. All right, number one, there's only three points. Let's jump in. You'll know you love deeply by how you respond. We don't really know how deep our love is till something goes sideways. You'll know you love deeply by how you respond. He said, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Offer 
hospitality. I'm trying to figure out how I can say this uh, diplomatically, but I'll, I'll just say it however I want to. Some people are not nice. And I'm not really referring at this moment to anyone other than those within the household of faith. I'm talking about Christians. Again, probably not you, not in this service. I'm just saying other ones, you know, but some people are not nice. Those two words, offer hospitality, could help just a lot of people. (laughs) I love our primary compassion partner, Convoy of Hope, the founder, Hal Donaldson. He says this, I love it. Two simple words, kindness matters. Matters at the grocery store, matters at the neighborhood, matters for the parents yelling at the referee at their kid's t-ball game. (laughs) Kindness matters. And in a society that's consumed with looking out for number one, I believe the light of Christ can shine brightly as we respond hospitably to those in need. Remember being a little kid growing up, maybe hearing something from your parent or teacher, coach, whatever. um, They gave you an important life lesson in two simple words. Those two words were be nice. Like there's a lot of things that I would love to see change in our society, but those two words have to be near the top of the list. I just wish people would be nice. When I'm trying to merge on the freeway, be nice. When they finish at the grocery store, be nice. Take your cart back like a regular human. (laughs) Their social media interactions, just be nice. Be nice. Here in Scripture, we see that our understanding of Christ's love for us is evidenced by our hospitality to others. Hospitality to others. And he says, do it without grumbling. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without complaining about it. (laughs) I remember growing up being told to clean up my toys so many times. And my dad was like, if you don't clean up your toys, I'm going to take them back. Now, I wasn't necessarily, I'm not sure. I first said I wasn't, but I want to give myself room. I'm not sure that I was the smartest kid in the world. But I know I wasn't the dumbest. And so I did what? I cleaned up the toys. I don't want my dad to take them back, right? And so I picked them up. But what I, I did it with a bad attitude. I complain, I can't believe he's making me pay. He's like, you mean those toys that I paid for and gave to you and you did nothing to earn, deserve, besides win the birth lottery and be born to a loving father with a good job who provided it for you? I was like, Dad, I'm four, settle down. <laughs> My brain does not understand birth lottery. <laughs> I picked it up, but I had a bad attitude and I complained about it. But at least I was a little kid. How much worse when people are not little kids? I'm talking about adults who are followers of Jesus who are complaining all the time. We might do something nice for somebody else, but we whine or we complain. Oh, I can't, so much, right? It's not your community. But imagine you went to a new community group. Hopefully not at this church. Maybe we have to 
Give them another training, Pastor Josiah, I don't know. But could you imagine if you went to a new community group and that person opened up their home and they made food and got everything ready. And while you were going through the line, they were like, I can't believe you came over today. I had to do all this work. I had to clean up. I had to make all this food. And you're like, you want me to leave? No, no, no. I want you to come. Feel the love of the Lord. I'm offering hospitality. But you're doing it with grumbling. You wouldn't feel very welcome. You wouldn't feel very loved. I just say as followers of Jesus that I believe it might help our testimony if we complained a little less. Like even on your Yelp restaurant review. Like if you didn't get any food or the food you got gave you food poisoning, wear them out. We want to (laughs) know. But like short of that, could you take a chill pill on laying the restaurant down? You know what I'm just saying? Like Maybe it's not, it's okay. Just let's be different. Let's not complain about everything. Maybe that server was having a bad day. Did you make it better? I'm not saying you weren't wrong, that they didn't. Well, I'm just saying you had opportunity to love deeply. And you don't know what situation you could have turned around. Maybe Jesus sent you there in that moment with that guy or that gal who's having a bad day or the kitchen ran out of something and just wanted to tee up your testimony. And instead you were mad that they ran out of dinner rolls. I mean, now if you're a Texas Roadhouse, I get it. That's a big deal. You're like, I could have stayed home if I'm not good. But I'm just saying, maybe the Lord had wanted you there in that moment to speak life and hope and encouragement, to love deeply in that moment. Take it beyond a community group or a restaurant, just apply it to any area of your life in general. We all see plenty of people who are always complaining, they're always griping, something's never good enough. Let me just say it and I'll move on. Don't be that guy. Or gal, that was a gender inclusive comment, right? That's all y'alls, don't be that person. Let's be kind. Let's be complimentary. Pushing your way through the line. Ain't going to get any quicker. <laughs> we just be, all right, anyway. One, a lot of people have said this, so I don't know who to give credit to, but it's all over the internet, so it must be true. They said, it was a joke for some of you, believe everything. How do you know if you have a servant's heart? By how you act when you're treated like one. So let me just tell you, friends, people are going to take advantage of your hospitality. They're going to take advantage of you being kind and nice and all that. Be nice anyway. Be hospitable anyway. The Lord is watching, and you're not really being hospitable to them. You're not really being nice to them out of the goodness of your own heart anyway. You're doing because Jesus has done more for you. So really, how you respond when people treat you poorly says more about your relationship with God than it does your interaction with them. So let's be people who respond in kindness. Amen? All right, number two, number two, you'll know you love deeply by what you offer. Verse 10, by what you offer. Each of you should use whatever gift. Somebody say whatever. Whatever Whatever gift you've received to serve others. Let me just say, don't compare the gift that you've got with somebody else. God didn't make any accidents, oopsies, doesn't need a do-over. 
And I can't help but think it must break his heart when we say, well, I wish I could have been like him with this, or I wish I could sing like her, or I wish I could make, but whatever that is, when we compare our gift, it's almost like we're telling God, you messed up. I know you're the creator of the universe, you're omniscient, you know everything, you're omnipotent, you've got all power, but you didn't know what was up here. <laughs> Who are we to tell him, complain by comparing the gift we've been given? He says, each of you should use whatever gift. Uh, I did some time Googling, which is code for research, what Peter really meant when he said each of you in this passage. And it turns out he meant each of you. (laughs) Not some of you, not a select few, not the people who woke up happy. He said, everybody, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. What does that mean? We don't use our gifts primarily for personal promotion. Now, this does happen, of course, right? I'm not going to suggest otherwise. And you definitely should not feel bad for making a living to provide for your family with a gift, a skill set that God has given you. But it's not primarily intended for personal promotion, rather to serve others to display the love of Christ. Because one day, personal promotion will end but what will remain is those we've impacted for eternity, those that we've demonstrated the love of God that we received first that we could serve others. So we use that gift to serve others, whatever the gift is. And I don't even want to list out different gifts that people have been given because Americans, we, we have such a tendency to prioritize or place value upon people according to the gift that they've been given. Everybody has equal value, even if their contribution is different. So like think about in the service here today, somebody was making coffee. Aren't we thankful for that person? Amen. Somebody um, turned the lights on or the heat or air. I don't know where we're at right now. It never knows what time of day it is in Minnesota. Somebody uh, got the bulletins ready or was passing out the program. Somebody, you're looking at them, spent all day yesterday working on a message so that you weren't staring blankly up here. I mean, more blankly than you're already staring, but you know what I'm saying. Silently, and I'm like, I don't know, right? So there was a bunch of different contributions to make today happen, and yet we're all equally valuable as people, even though there were different contributions that were needed to make the day happen. So I never understood, like when people get married, they're like, well, I got my money, she got her money. I'm like, you're married. It's our money. And if you have kids, it's no money. Like that's the way it works, right? Like. That's just how it is. I'm just trying to help people out here today, right? But, but no, we, we got equal value. So we don't want to put value on people according to the gift they've been given. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, think about it. I understand why some people make more money than others at jobs. This is not a deal that says, you know, the, the fast food workers should get the same as the owner of Amazon. Can we just agree they're probably not equal contributions to society? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know what to say right now. It's not a trick question. (laughs) If we lost McDonald's, we'd all be healthier. If we lost Amazon, we'd all have more money. Like that's just, (laughs) but the owner of Amazon is not worth more as a human. 
and anyone who's been overlooked, undervalued, underemployed, any of those kind of things, right? We're, we're created in the image of God. From the owner to homeless, everything in between, we're all created in his image. Therefore, our value, and by the way, Jesus died for everybody. Therefore, our value has already been settled. Our value is the same, even if our net worth is different. But our problem in America is we tend to view higher net worth, higher value. But that's not true. Right? So, so we come together and we offer whatever it is that we've been given. And I love this. He says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that, right? We, we're faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And it's why I'm so thankful to be part of a fellowship of believers, a church, a household of faith that has many various forms. Like if you look around, this got various forms here today. <laughs> we got old people. Amen. And we got young people. Yeah. We kicked them out. We're like, go to J. I don't know. Right? We, we got loud people. And we got quiet people. <laughs> that was awesome. I couldn't tell what's funny or the fact that Katie Carey just raised her hand silently or that other people were like, woo, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, we got people who were born and raised in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, you were kind of loud. Some of you sounded like transplants. I'm just saying. <laughs> and we got some people that just moved here and aren't ready for winter. We got some people that lived here eight and a half years and still aren't ready for winter. We got people that think the Vikings can still win the Super Bowl this year. No, nah, I'm just kidding. We all know they ain't winning. That's, that's a joke. We ain't got nobody. No, I'm just saying. All right. But we got all kinds of people. And we need it to show off God's grace in various forms. We need unity. We don't want uniformity. This is important because if we're going to reach people in various forms, we need people to use their gifts to demonstrate God's grace in various forms. So you are needed, your gift is wanted in order to do what God has called us to do. Everybody has been given at least one gift. And it's the gift that God gave you, gave to you, with you, and someone else specifically in mind. So if you overlook or minimize or put down or ignore, don't use the gift that God's given you, somebody else is missing out that God had designed for you to minister to. Right? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. Other translation might say uh, workmanship. I just don't really love reading verses that says you're a piece of work. You know, I don't know. It's just... I'm going to read it how I want to. I'm a masterpiece. You can be a piece of work if you want to. Some of you are like, I am. Okay, anyway. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what do we know for sure? God made you. He gifted you. And he has plans for you to use that gift 
with other people. So the remaining question is, are you willing to use that gift to serve others or will you just keep it to yourself? I'm so thankful for a room filled with people, maybe the airwaves as well, who are committed to using their gifts to serve others. Number three, and I get ready to close. It's the last point, but I'm not closing yet, but I am getting ready to close. You'll know you love deeply by who gets the glory. If the structure is really about loving deeply, here's the application. The, the, the biggest litmus test of all, you'll know you love deeply by who gets the glory. Amen. You know, I, again, I don't know who said it originally, uh, but it's been said, it's something to the effect of like, it's amazing how much we can get done if you don't care who gets the credit. Right. Now that might help in your office or in a team meeting. But let me just say explicitly as a pastor, as a believer, a follower of Jesus, we must care who gets the credit. Yes. Wow. The credit, the glory, the honor, according to the word, belongs to him and him yeah. alone. Yeah. Verse 11, if anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised. Amen. And he's praised through Jesus Christ. To him, not to the pastor, not to leaders, not to moms, dads, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. He said, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do. I know this is weird because uh, my wife tells me so, but every time I pay a bill at the beginning, end of the month, whenever it is, I say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the ability to pay this bill. She's like, why do you enjoy paying bills so much? I'm like, well, number one, I just like checking stuff off the list. I'm like, I did it. I paid bills today. I'm done. Look at me go. Sometimes I make a list that says make a list. And then I'm like, number one, done. There we go. I just, I enjoy it. It's productivity. <laughs> Not a lot of things, check boxes that I could have as a pastor. Like, are you making disciples? We don't know. Everybody's still complaining. We have no idea. <laughs> pastor Josiah, you figure it out. It's your job. I don't know. Tell me if we're doing it. Right? But, but I checked that off. But but every time I pay a bill, I'm doing it for the glory of God. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the ability yeah. to have earned the money that can pay this bill. Thank you for this opportunity that, that I just, I'm telling you, I want to pay bills for the glory of God. Right. I think whatever we do, you can make up the list, how, how you take care of your yard, or I would say how you help raise your kids. Amen. Do it for the glory of God. Don't, don't do it for your own glory. Do it for the glory of God. How you conduct your business, do it for the glory of God. How, how you worship, how you live in your neighborhood, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory. So he says, if you speak, speak the very words of God. Now we might quickly think of, oh, well, the pastor should speak the words of God when he's preaching. And that's true. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but I believe we all speak at different times to different people. And I would say it's even easier for me in preparing a sermon 
to make sure that I'm speaking the words of God. I've got the same textbook as every other pastor, right? Like, this is it. And it's a bigger challenge that I would speak the words of God in my daily interactions. See, everybody expects me during a sermon to speak the words of God. But my question is, does my son expect me when he comes home from school? What words am I speaking? Am I speaking words of frustration, exhaustion, tiredness? Truth is, sometimes, yep. Don't look at me like you've never been exasperated by your children as well. (laughs) The Bible says fathers don't exasperate your children, but I'm like, we could have added a verse. Sons, don't exasperate your fathers. Quit asking me so many questions. The answer is still no. (laughs) Had nothing to do with my message and first service didn't get it, but I feel awesome. Feel like I grew up Catholic and a burden has been lifted in that moment of confession. That was great. <laughs> when, when it's a server, are we asking the Holy Spirit to help us speak a word of encouragement more than just, I hope you have a nice day? But are we asking the Holy Spirit, is there an encouraging word, a prophetic word that you'd have for this person? I, I don't know what, I'm just saying, are the words that you're speaking Are they the words of God or are they just our own words that we make up, right? So the charge for each of us is whenever we're speaking to speak the words of God more and speak the words of us or the news or our opinions less. Because whenever we speak the words of God, it's God who gets the glory. So my goal uh, each week when you come is not for you to be impressed with my lyrical skills. Some are like, mission accomplished. (laughs) but my goal is for God to be glorified, right? If you serve, serve in the strength God provides. Serve in the strength God provides. By the way, I believe this so clearly destroys the guilt and manipulation culture that so many have suffered under. God's not praised through manipulation and burnout. By the way, I've never seen anybody burn out doing what God wants them to do. But I've seen plenty of people burn out doing what other people wanted them to do. But when we serve in the strength God provides, our service becomes a joy as we serve others. I love each week gathering here. I'm so thankful to see people with big smiles uh, here at Celebration, greeters, coffee bar attendants, hosts and kids workers, worship team, security. I just want to say your service is appreciated and your smile is encouraging to me. And I believe your service is a way of giving glory to God. All right, the team can keep coming back out. That's the point. Rope band, come back out. There they are. (laughs) Look at that. But why? So that all things, in all things, God may be praised. Isn't that our goal here on earth? That God may be praised in everything we do. By the way, that means we must avoid sin. I know it's not like a real popular, woohoo, go get them moment, but uh, that's what Peter was telling these people. You got to avoid the sin that you used to commit. God doesn't get glory when we return to the same pattern of sinful behavior that we were freed from. I never understand that when I hear people say, oh, well, now I'm free, I can do whatever I want. Not really. Freedom we have in Christ is to be free from sin and free to follow Jesus. (laughs) 
We're now free to do whatever he wants. So we got to avoid sin. Maybe I just feel a pause in this moment. If there's a hidden sin in your life, I mean, also if it's wide out in, the, in front of everybody's business, everybody knows, but I'm just saying if there's a hidden sin in your life, don't leave the same way you came in. You, you can be changed. You don't have to wait for October 29th. I'm just saying you can leave free. By the way, those that have been forgiven, most of us in the room, we've surrendered our life to Jesus. Let me just plainly state, you don't have to give in to every temptation that comes your way. You can say no. <laughs> That's the power you've been given in Christ. You can say no. You can go long stretches, especially when you're sleeping, without sinning. That's the freedom you have in Christ. Don't give in to those plans, those attacks of the enemy. Now I just feel this in this moment. Consequently, maybe some of you need to take the choice of sin out of an environment. Like a week or so ago was ladies' brunch, and we had some of those leftover cinnamon rolls, and I, I told some of the ladies, hey, take them home to your husband. Mariah was walking out, and I said, take one to Dave. She's like, nah, if I take it home, we're going to eat it. You know, some of us might need to start making some pre-decisions. I'm not, having a sin rule is not a sin. I sinned twice that day, if so. <laughs> but we might need to pre-decide. I'm just not going to bring something like that into my house. I'm not going to go there and find out how strong I am. You can show your strength in Christ before. So that whatever you do, God gets the glory. So if there's a secret sin, a hidden struggle that you have, don't leave this place struggling alone. Find somebody here today. You know, we're going to sing in a moment, but we'll have prayer partners that'll stick around. Maybe the person you came with to church, maybe you need to find somebody. I, but, but don't leave struggling in silence today. Don't suffer alone. Because you can live free without fear of being caught or what's going to come about. So, with that, so that whatever you do, God can receive glory and honor in your life. Because what we do here on earth will matter for all of eternity. So I hope and pray we use our gifts for the glory of God as he will be praised forever. Would you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? I'm going to close a little differently than before in a moment. We'll sing, or they'll sing, and as they sing, I'm going to ask each of us to just pause for a moment of reflection, to think back about the goodness of God in our lives, the price that Jesus has paid for us because of our sin. Because I believe when we reflect upon his love and goodness for us, it will inspire us to go and to serve others. But before we do, 
if you're here, I'm not even gonna call you out or in any way, but we pause in this moment for you if there's a hidden sin in your life. The Bible says, says that sin separates us from God. But thanks be to God, he sent his son Jesus to rescue you and me, to save us from ourselves, from our sinful decisions. Friend, you don't have to leave fearing the darkness. You don't have to leave continuing that way. The Bible says that leads to death ultimately. You can leave forgiven and free today. So Father, I'm praying right now for anyone here, maybe watching online, their secret sin in their life. Maybe a few people know, or maybe they think no one knows. But God, today in this moment, you're gripping their heart today. Father, help them to surrender those dark places to you today. Help them to repent, to make a change, to turn from their ways that the Bible says will lead to death and to surrender their life fully to you today, Lord Jesus. And today we say thank you for making it possible that none of us have to do this on our own. We don't have to muster up the courage or work up the strength. We just simply say yes and receive your finished work on the cross. You die, you already paid the price. We just have to receive it today. So Father, I pray for open hearts today, signifying a welcoming of your spirit in our lives. As we receive your love, I pray that it would inspire us to go and serve other people. So Father, today, here's our lives, each and every one of us, every part, we offer it to you and we say, whatever we do, let it be done for your glory and for your honor today, we pray in Jesus' name. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.